Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and it's another week in Women's History Month, another Believe in Softball episode. We'll continue to do our thing in the other months, too, like you you already know, like we've always done, so don't you worry. But I have to say, thank you for listening and for watching, not just supporting me, of course, but also supporting the game and the amazing women and men who are a part of it. So thank you. Reminders for more ways you can support. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube as well and actually watch the episodes. So much fun. All right, so let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and updates, the usual. Then we'll head into today's interview with Marissa Young. She's basically the founder and fearless leader of the new program at Duke over the last few years and just a lot of history making. No big deal. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, our new segment this season where we share tips to help us get better. So let's get rolling. Covering our bases. So March is that crazy time of year where winter and spring sports overlap. You got postseason basketball, you got conference play for softball and baseball. Plus this year there's volleyball and soccer all happening at the same time because of the COVID-19 delays. So it feels like the madness is next level this year, but through it all, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The real March madness is upon us, right? Like we're right in the thick of it. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And with March Madness, we have to talk about the comparisons of the NCAA setup for the men versus the women. So if you haven't seen it yet, if you're living under a rock, there were side-by-side pictures that went viral on the internet. And the main one, there were a few, but the main one was the weight room difference. So just this huge space with a ton of racks, multiple setups for the men, and literally one rack of dumbbells only going up to 30 pounds and some yoga mats for the women. So everybody went nuts. The NCAA statement in response to it was that, oh, it's actually a space issue. But then we, we saw a video that was showing open space available near the practice court. Um, they also said they were planning to expand the equipment later in the tournament, 
when apparently there would be less teams. So it was all interesting, but people were just not having it, including male athletes like Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving. They both tweeted about it. It was crazy, but it, it wasn't just the weight room. Like I said, there were a few things that kind of went viral. It was also the food spread, way more options for the men and the swag bags, just a ton more stuff that the men got as well. So I think it was one of those things where it's like, okay, it wasn't just a one-off. The difference in the investment here was apparent just kind of left and right. So I think it's a reminder of how much more work we have to do. And it's such a balance, isn't it? Like appreciating how far we've come but also keeping up the fight for more. You know, we can't let our foot off the gas at this point. But I do think that there were some positives that came out of it. Some corporate support. You know, Orange Theory offered the use of their facilities to any of the women's teams who wanted to come by and get, the, get a workout in. You know, Dick Sporting Goods offered to send fitness equipment to the women so that they can get the work in. And, and the male athletes I mentioned that started to step up and use their voice to support women, like these are all good things. Like getting that support on more of a mainstream level is important. And then actually now their weight room setup is leaps and bounds better than it was. They have racks, they got bands, they got machines, they got so much more. And that's really the power of coming together and the power of not allowing it, right? Like ask for what you want, demand it. And I think we saw that happen, which is cool. So not all bad, started off bad, but some good things came out of it. And when it comes to softball March Madness, conference play is here. I mean, we're in it now. And I always think of the season itself as really three seasons within a season. You have preseason, you have conference, you have postseason. And conference is where things really intensify. The competition level evens out a bit versus preseason when it's just a little more varied. You know, you're playing people from all over. Rivalries come into play. Teams are so familiar with each other, playing each other multiple times a year, every year. And internally, even within a team, the battle for spots in the preseason kind of starts to solidify. So this is where it starts to get real. And a few things from the start of conference play where we're seeing this in action are what I'm gonna share. So you look at like the SEC, for example. Alabama did take the series against Tennessee, but they dropped that first game despite being ranked significantly higher. And that third game in that series, it matters. You know, if you can steal one from a team like Alabama, that could matter at the end of it with the SEC standings. Then you look at the Pac-12, conference play honestly coming in hot, had two top 10 teams, Washington and Arizona going head to head right away in weekend one. And it was one of those situations where it's anybody's guess who's gonna win, but Washington took two. And they didn't even finish the rest of their games, though, because of weather. So you also have those elements, too. It's like whatever's in front of you, you have to take advantage of that situation because you don't know. You know, Pac-12 supposed to have four games this year, three of which count towards conference, one extra game to play. You only get half of those. Things happen. Quick shout out also to the Big 12, specifically to Oklahoma. This isn't about conference play, actually, but they swept Team Mexico on their tour and outscored them 25 to four. It's just impressive. Like they could go to the Olympics, I guess. Great, <laughs> casual. And now like how, what's the rest of the big 12 supposed to do with that? Awesome. Then there's the ACC. Clemson is on a 17 game win streak heading into the series against Duke this weekend, who has an 18 game win streak and is ranked number 12 in the coaches poll this week. Like they just keep climbing, it's crazy. So I'm excited for it. I'm thrilled. My former coach at Stanford, John Rittman, is going to be coaching Clemson, obviously. And then there's today's guest, 
who will be on the other side of things. So it's awesome. And both programs are new and just within the first four years of their existence. Like how cool is that? The success that they're seeing this early. But uh, let me give you some more actually on today's guest. You know, Coach Young and the Blue Devils earned their 100th win in Duke's program history this past weekend. And I actually talked to her, you know, we recorded our interview right before their games that weekend. So maybe it was good luck. Just saying, right? <laughs> but there was an epic Gatorade bath. I, I love that personally. Like I love to see that energy. It's awesome. And her statement that she put out, you know, throughout through Duke softball was just all about the team and giving them credit. It was all about the program's accomplishments. She was like, I love my players, staff, and what we've all built together at Duke. And we talk about this mindset in today's interview. And we also talk about the growth of the ACC and just a ton of great stuff. So without further ado, let's go ahead and head into the actual interview. She is currently the head coach of Duke softball, but was also an All-American player at Michigan and one of the best pitchers in Big Ten history, Marissa Young. Thank you for joining. I'm, I'm thrilled about this. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk about Duke and our program. Oh yeah, absolutely. I do have to mention before we get into that, that I did actually just have Samantha Finley on the podcast recently. So clearly, you know, we're giving Michigan some love right now. <laughs> yes. Keep the blue, amazing blue going. I was going to say too, you clearly love blue, you know, like having played at Michigan before Duke, you were at UNC now you're at Duke. Like you just changed shades of blue. Is that sort of the deal? So far it's been, it's been good for me. <laughs> it works if it's not broken. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, but I do like with Duke specifically, I see your tweets just like absolutely hyping the team up and hyping your players up. Is that kind of your coaching style on the field too? It is. I think, you know, our, our kids, um, I want them to know that I'm their biggest fan and their toughest critic. And so um, really proud of all of their accomplishments. I'm, I'm so thankful that all of them chose to come to Duke. Um, and start the program with me and uh, to see what we've been able to accomplish in such a short period of time. Like I'm, I feel like a cheerleader in the dugout most of the time because I'm just so excited for them and all the hard work they've put into it and seeing the success uh, they're having is just really exciting for me as a coach. It, it is crazy how young the Duke program is that you've been able to start, like you said, with these players. Like it feels like Duke softball has been around longer than that in a good way. Yeah. You know, you guys yeah. are so fun to follow. But when you did kind of get started, how do you build a program from scratch? Like what are those kind of foundational pieces that you have to get in place? I, our culture was first and foremost for me. I wanted um, everybody a part of our program from coaching staff to our support staff and our student athletes and their families to know that um, we were going to demand living a life of excellence on and off the field. And um, early on, that was tough. You know, it was like, I felt more like the police or, or the principal and trying to lay down the rules and sort of set the standards and expectations. And now that we have girls that have been in the program for a few years and are starting to grow up and mature and understand, you know, why coach wanted things done a certain way. Um, you know, I've been able to sort of breathe and take a, a breath and have a lot more fun with them. Um, but really that's been at the core is um, building a good culture. Our kids work hard. They embrace the little things and love playing for each other. And uh, it's really special to be able to coach at a place like Duke where, 
have some brilliant, incredible young women um, that are so smart and so bright. And they're doing so many great things off the field, in the classroom, in their community. And then on top of it, to be able to be a top 25 team, you know, I think it's, it's something not many believed we could do. Um, and, and so it's like us against the world. That's kind of the best place to be, though, is like to have a, a healthy chip on your shoulder. You know yes. what I mean? Yep. And I, re- I remember reading when you first got hired, like when it was first announced, that you kind of said, you know, I know everybody else from the outside is saying that it's going to take time to build and to be patient. But you right away, like you said it from the beginning, like I'm coming in guns blazing, you know, and I want to have high expectations right away. And then look at you now, like, I feel like every week you guys are just climbing the rankings. Yeah. And it's just a a byproduct of, like I said, the commitment to the process and building the right foundation that we're starting to see the fruits of our labor. And now it's about keeping the kids focused on the process and not so much on the rankings or, you know, what the outside world is seeing or thinking about them. We've got to approach every day and every game like we have in, in the past. And, um, you know, it's just so thankful to be playing again after what we've faced last year with the pandemic and, um, you know, just continuing to, to grow as a group. That's the truth. I mean, gratitude is definitely like the theme. I feel like just to have softball back has been indescribable for me, let alone for people like you who are actually like on the field doing this again. It must be such a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Makes us all very appreciative of little things. Oh yeah. That's definitely, definitely been the big learning I'd say one of many in this last year, but I did want to ask you. So you just mentioned that you're not really thinking about the rankings. And I think that's so important because people get so caught up in it, especially the media and like fans and things like that. It's definitely, like you said, use the word byproduct. That's really what it is. When you actually look at the goals that you're really setting out for your team, like I'm sure every week you're not like, well, you know what guys, we really got to climb up in the rankings today or this week, right? So like, what are those actual goals that you're trying to accomplish as a group? Yeah, I think the the goals are for us to keep getting better as a team. And we know, um, you know, it's great to crack the top 25 early on and and be in the rankings, but it's really about where we finish. And uh, we want to be a team that gets beyond the ACC tournament this year and um, just continuing to figure out what we need to do as a program to sustain success is really the key. And I think we have a we're in a a good place and have um, that road ahead of us. It's just a matter of staying the course, but you know, you look at a weekend this past weekend, we won all of our games and still dropped in the rankings and you know, it it is what it is. So we can't get caught up in in those things. It's really about approaching each game and and figuring out how we can be better on the road to Oklahoma city. That's right. And I know that you've also said before that you're very hands-on in every part of the game with softball, like, Pitching is obviously a really easy place for you to dive in head first, but as a head coach, kind of having your hand in every part seems to also be what helps the program thrive. Like, how would you say you work with sort of your staff um, to support the players? Yeah, I think just my background and how I was raised, very blue collar, you know, my parents worked two jobs all our lives and um, they had a janitorial job. So uh, from the age of 10, I was helping them clean buildings and, you know, coaching D2, you had to drag the field before practice and carry the equipment in your car. And 
sort of working up your working up the ranks that way made me very appreciative of um, the little things and understand that every piece of your program is super important. Um, and it's, it's hard work. It looks different, but it's all essential. It's, it's all hard work. And so I really do value um, the contributions and, and the work of everybody in our program, whether it be our nutritionist, our field crew and our coaching staff. Um, and I try to give everybody a voice and a lot of um, open door communication. We have, you know, weekly meetings with our support staff and always inviting people to contribute to their thoughts and ideas to the program because it is it's collective. It's it's our program, not mine. Um, and so, you know, being hands on, whether it's standing out in the outfield one day with with outfield as they're taking fly balls. Um, I love throwing BP every day to the team, which I still do. And you know, just making your rounds to know that I'm invested in every part of the program and being the last one to stay behind and clean up equipment and all, you know, all of those things. We talk about how to lead as a servant leader. That's all a, a big part of, of me and sort of how we've built the program of being a, a blue collar, work hard and, and take care of things. Servant leader is such a great way to put that. I really like that a lot, but getting to hit BP off you must be such a treat <laughs> and also like it must help them get better like that must be so fun do you, you feel like you still have it like you still got it no I have it from 35 feet but you know I love honestly looking at the pictures that we're going to face for the upcoming weekend and like changing my motion to mimic what they're going to see and trying to get in the moment and I'm sure the kids are like rolling their eyes as they step in the batter box. Like, okay, coach, you know, here you go trying to be so-and-so this weekend. But I do, I think it's just, you know, a little way to show I'm invested in helping them, you know, prepare for the upcoming weekend. And there's some days where I'll challenge them and say, you know, I'm going to strike you out and other days where it's feel good and see how many you can hit over the fence. So you have fun with it. I bet they love it. And even if now they're rolling their eyes, they'll look back and be like, our coach was freaking awesome. You know, <laughs> like that's how I would feel. Like that's amazing. I hope, so. <laughs> I hope, I hope that's what they think. <laughs> I'm sure they do. And, but with that being said, I'm sure that you also have a unique bond with the pitchers on your staff for that reason too. Just all of your experience, I'm sure they're just like soaking it up you know, as much as possible. But I, when I said that I see you hype up your players, I see you hyping up the pitchers and the whole staff a lot too. That's really cool. How, how is, how is your relationship with the bullpen? Well, you know, everybody in the program, I feel like they're my, my daughter, my baby, I brought them here and, and I want to see them successful. I knew in starting the program, it would be really difficult for a freshman to carry us. And so we went into it with a staff and they have really embraced um, supporting one another and having healthy competition you know, embracing their differences of what their strengths are so that when they come in, this is what they're going to do well when they're given their, um, their opportunity. And, you know, I just, I love seeing them embrace the process. We're really big on sort of a holistic approach to um, developing pitchers. And again, I think early on, it was like, oh my gosh, coach wants us to do so much stuff. And now, you know, they're doing it on their own and, and really figuring out what works for them. And I'm just happy to see them all having success. And, um, you know, for us to have three, four pitchers we can count on weekend in and weekend out, that's a rarity and it's going to take us a long way. Absolutely. I feel like that is more and more becoming the key in college softball because hitting is just unreal these days. <laughs> like how hitting has developed, like the, not just the long ball, but 
in general, even batting averages just across the board feel like they're higher than they used to be. So having a staff that you can rely on is just more important than ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But when you were pitching, what was the, what were the, the things that you really leaned on? Like whether it be your mental approach or just things you would tell yourself, because we obviously all talk to ourselves, whether we know it or not. Um, what were the things that you'd relied on? I'm a big self-talk person. Um, I'm still working on that with our pitchers of figuring out, you know, how to approach that differently for each and every one of them. Some of them just, you know, have that, have that mindset. I just want to go out and throw, I don't want to think about anything, but I definitely think with my size and, you know, limitation of, of velocity, I had to be really crafty as a pitcher. And, um, I think my mindset of being super competitive and, you know, the mindset of I'm going to find a way to get hitters out, um, was my strength. And so that's something I try to just hone in on for each, each of them, um, to figure out how they can channel that same self-talk. Yeah, that makes sense. For me, I've always been a believer that to take on a role like pitching where you're really the center of what's going on, you and the catcher are the only ones that touch the ball every single pitch, right? You have to be a little bit, I don't know what the exact word is. I'm still trying to figure this out, but there's like a little, a little craziness. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, like little quirkiness, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to be, yeah. to really want to be in that position and catchers too, but in a little bit different way. Um, so, okay. I'm glad that I'm, I'm getting the sense that you agree and that I'm I not. Agree. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. What was your type of crazy then when you were pitching? I was, we talk a lot about our hype level and um, I, it, it was hard for me at first. Our pitchers are very low key and mellow. Um, and so to perform well, they like to be at like a, you know, out of the scale of zero to 10, they like to be at a hype number of, of four to six. And I'm like, if I wasn't at an eight or a nine, you know, something was wrong. Um, but yeah, I was just, you know, really uber competitive and, and high energy. Um, and our pitchers are very different. So I've had to really uh, let them be themselves. Yeah, that's, it, and that's the thing too, is that pitchers, they're, they're all different kinds of crazy. Like there's a spectrum, I feel like. That's why I had to ask you because everyone has a different personality. And I think catchers tend to be able to manage personalities well, right? Because they work with multiple pitchers and things like that. And so you see a lot of catchers become head coaches. Right. Um, but you being a pitcher that's become a head coach, obviously you're a pitching coach before this, is interesting to me. Like how do you think that that helps or makes a difference, I guess, in your coaching approach? I think the, the thing that I was a hitting pitcher is really what helped, helped me because I was on both sides of the ball. Um, I think it would have been a lot more difficult had I, you know, been a pitcher only. Um, but again, I think just my, my background is what's helped me sort of on my way to, to getting where I am. I've, you know, really been in tune with everything going on around me. Um, and even as a player had to work harder than everybody else because of my size and, uh, limited athleticism. So, um, you know, if you put your mind to it and work hard, you can accomplish what you want. And that's sort of the approach I've taken from a, a coaching standpoint as well. I know you've mentioned your size a couple of times. Are you, I think I saw that. Are you five, six? Did I make that up? It's probably a stretch. Five, okay. five. <laughs> okay. I was trying to, you know, give you a little, yeah. yes. <laughs> Well, so I now have a daughter that's taller than me. And she reminds me every day that I'm only five, five. <laughs> I remember the day that I was taller than my mom. And I definitely <laughs> told her every day too. So yeah. I, I'm with her on that. 
But I think that's interesting too, because a lot of people think that pitchers, especially, I mean, not just pitchers, other positions too, but when you look at pitching, like, oh, you have to be really tall or, or there are certain like aspects of you physically that you need or that are required. And I, I really don't think that's the case. I think it's just a matter of playing to your strengths and maybe to your point, like working hard on how to figure out how to make other things that you can improve on better. I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I do. I, I mean, I think as a coach, you know, you want to recruit the, the safe bet and, you know, it, it is tough. There aren't too many great small pitchers out there that, that dominate. And, you know, I, I, I get it from that standpoint, but um, I think that the small ones, you know, we have a lot of heart and a lot of grit to figure out how to be, how to play just as big as the six foot pitchers. For sure. For sure. And I feel like not only was the fact that Duke was announced as sort of this brand new program and, and the ACC, like so exciting, but also I think the fact that you were named as the coach is what drew so much attention to it. Um, I remember seeing you say that you had like 400 emails from kids who were interested in the program within a couple days uh, of the announcement. That kind of, I don't know, like investment, like obviously there's a financial investment from, from Duke uh, itself, the athletic department, but just seeing that, how did that sort of set the tone for you as you were going to build this program? I mean, the name recognition that, that the Duke brand has in itself is what attracted me to the job. And I knew that there were going to be kids instantly all over the country that wanted to come here and play. And so for me, it was most about what do I want our program um, to look and feel like five years down the road. And then we've got to bring those type of kids into the program because it's not a matter of um, who wants to come. It's, it's who are we going to narrow the choice down to be the right fit for us down the road. And um, our kids are a huge part of building the culture that we've, you know, you lead, but you got to have people following. And um, they've been a huge part of instilling that culture in our freshmen and um, making it what it is today. It's almost to the point as coaches where, you know, it's sort of uh, player led, which is phenomenal again in, in just four years. But um, yeah, for me, that that's what it was about was just, what do we, what do we want this to look like in the future and build from there? I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the ability to follow as well, because yeah, theoretically it's like if every single person leads, then you're all going in different directions, right? Like you still have to have a cohesive unit um, and a shared goal. So two part question then it's like, what do you think are the key aspects to the leadership that you've seen with your team and maybe even just in general, but then also like, what does it take to be a good follower as you're kind of learning and trying to improve? I mean, for me as a head coach, like I said, giving um, everyone around me, everybody a part of this program, a voice. And there are moments where you take their opinion and their insight and say, thank you, but no, thank you. But it's really important that you make them feel like, you know, I heard that and I appreciate that, but here's the reasons I'm deciding differently. Um, and then I think it's important to give credit where credit's due. You know, I think so much of what we're doing in our program right now weren't my own ideas. They've come from assistant coaches. They've come from players. And, um, you know, for me, that's the part of like knowing when to lead and knowing when to be led. And I want everybody to feel that they have a reason to be invested in this program. 
um, because they're a part of the decision-making and, you know, how things are coming together, that they're not just here following orders. And I think that that has really, you know, been a huge part of the glue of, of bringing this together is because people really do have a voice in what, what happens in our program. It's really important. It's like to listen and to be heard, right? We all want to be heard. We all want to, to be, to feel like people are listening to us. So doing both is, is important. That makes a lot of sense. What else do you feel like has in these early years really pushed you guys to the success that you're seeing now? You've obviously talked about culture a lot, but are there any other sort of, even just intangibles that you feel like have really driven this team? I mean, I, I think kids that come to Duke and can handle the academic rigor um, want to be great. They could have taken the easy road anywhere else. And so uh, for them, they're here. They're in a great conference. They were really determined to make the program great. Um, so again, back to our players, they, they deserve the credit. And, you know, our assistant coaches that we've had along the way have all left, um, you know, have improved the program as they've been here and uh, couldn't say enough about our assistants that we have right now. Josh Bloomer has done an amazing job with our, our offense and overall, like he's the, he's the competitive spirit that I am on the inside, but I, I keep it sort of bottled in, you know, the kids say I'm like composed, uh, but I'm crazy on the inside. I just don't <laughs> let crazy out. He's crazy on the outside. Um, but the good thing is that that has sort of like lit the fire in our players to like bring that out more, you know, like play with more swag, talk more trash, you know, have more of that in you. Uh, and then we have coach Bracamonte, who is like one of the best mental coaches, you know, coaching the mental game. And I think our dynamic has just been so incredible of how we work together and find ways to bring out different things in our players. Um, and we're all really committed to just, you know, developing them as people off the field, which goes back to our, our strong culture. But I think those are the intangibles that we have going for us. It's funny how everything becomes a team. Like you have the players who's a team, but then your staff is like a team within the team, right? Like, yeah. it, and even like the bullpen sort of a team within a team, like everything kind of works out that way. And I think that's the case in life, which is why softball is just unbelievable for preparing you for anything you want to do in life, in my opinion, which is like a whole other topic that we, you know, we could go on for hours about, but. Yeah. And I think people find like they become them their best selves when they're a part of the right team. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's, we have the right captains doing the right things for the players. We have the right coaching staff right now. And right now we're all our, the best version of ourselves because we're surrounded by the right people. Right. That's the thing. It's the right group of people at the right time. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of like even hitting, right? Like it's like you to have timely hitting it, like it has to be all strung together at the right time at the right moment. It's like, that's the case when you're trying to build the, the culture and team beyond just, you know, practice and the games too. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's been awesome to see you guys really make history. I mean, so early on, it, it's, again, you guys are really fun to watch. And I remember last year before the, the shortened season, like being like, wow, I really, I have to keep my eye on Duke, you know, like the, there's good stuff happening over there. And then of course the season was cut short. How do you kind of, as a program, I mean, so many challenges, obviously over this last year, how do you 
how are you able to really take that momentum from last year and start strong this year? Yeah, I think every program, you know, everyone in the country, whether you play a sport or not, has has really had some life adjustments to make with everything that COVID's brought. And I'm so proud of how our kids were so determined to come back. And, you know, you think about all the time we had off and people keep continue to say, like, we picked up right where we left off. It's pretty remarkable. And, you know, it's remarkable that they went home and were on their own for that long. And some people didn't have access to gyms or fields. And, you know, there was so many things that changed within their, their life. Um, during the prime time of their life, their college years, and not being able to interact with friends and family and so much thrown at them. And for them to come back um, ready and, and better than where we were uh, just speaks to their character of, of who they are as human beings, um, how well they handle adversity and, and how much they love this program. They didn't want what happened last year to be seen as a fluke or you know, to, to go to waste. And it, they were super determined to come back and show the world that this is, this is who we are. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's fun. It's a huge testament to their work ethic and their ability to do everything that they did on their own. But I think it's a huge testament to you as well for being able to inspire that in them. You know, it's like, but that's where that foundational culture comes into play. You know, like that's why to your point, it's so important to actually have that in place first then you can tackle whatever it is that comes your way, even if it's something as wild as a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, didn't have that one in the in the forethought. <laughs> really, you didn't know that was going to happen? Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but I think with with all the history making, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you, when you were hired, were actually the first Black female head coach in Duke history. Which congratulations on being the first. Um, first of all, because the goal is not to have any more firsts, right? But, but we're chipping away at that and and you're helping towards that cause. But I would just ask you, what is that significance both for you, but then also for the Duke athletic community? Yeah. I mean, as a new program, I'm, I'm thankful that Kevin White believed in me, uh, to start softball, but you know, it is pretty incredible when you think about 26 sports that, that I, I was the first and, uh, for me, it's about using my platform and, and the opportunity I've been given um, to provide young women of color opportunities uh, that they may not have gotten if I wasn't in this role. Um, and, you know, to really impact the other athletes, even the white players that are a part of our program now have a better understanding of, you know, all that went on this summer and um, have a better understanding of what life has been for so many in secret, you know, that for so long, um, that they're impacted to want to make changes and make a difference in in lives moving forward. And really that's the key is just to, um, to be that spark in people's lives that, um, provide them hope and, um, provide, um, change moving forward. And, you know, I have daughters of my own and I want to be a great role model for them. And, Um, want them to grow up believing they can do whatever they want to do, even if it hasn't been done. And um, I think for me, being successful, given this opportunity is really important because, um, you know, my success hopefully will lead to more doors being open for others. Does that feel like additional pressure or does it feel like additional motivation? 
it's 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 the kind of motivation of like I want to get back to the World Series type of pressure. Like you you want it. Yeah. Cause there is a difference between like stress. Right. And it's like, no, this is pressure. Like this is, this is good, you know, healthy. Makes you get up every day. You're tired and you know, you're tired and could come up with a million excuses and you're like, no, I owe it to myself. I owe it to my family. And there's so many others out there that I, that I owe it to, to go get up and go get it. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And I've seen you participate in some other like important conversations even beyond, you know, just Duke or just college softball. Like, didn't I see, I think you recently participated in a a discussion panel with Alliance Fast Pitch, which is for the listeners, um, I've talked about it on the show, but if you don't remember, it's um, a group of travel ball teams that have come together to create um, sort of their own league in some ways. But anyway, those types of opportunities, it's, I have to say, it's just cool to see more and more people engaging in them and you being one of them, what do you get out of those? You know, it's incredible um, to go through things like that because, you know, along the way, you never think about you being the first or you doing things that others haven't. You're just going out, you know, playing the game you love or working hard to achieve success and to hear from other people that, you know, your story inspires them or your story has given them hope. Um, you know, it, it makes the tough days worthwhile. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted this platform? Meaning, did you always know that you wanted to coach after playing? No, I wanted to be a criminal attorney. Uh, and I was actually studying for the LSAT and my former college, um, catcher was giving lessons at an indoor facility and said, I really need somebody that can work with pitchers. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Uh, and several months later, I made the phone call home to my parents to say I was going to forego law school, which did not go over well uh, to coach softball. But I knew that that was my that was my passion. Yeah, look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should send like flowers to to your teammate. Like, I feel like, yes, like I want to personally send her flowers <laughs> at this I, point. <laughs> It's a good one. I should, uh, I should call her up and thank her for that. (laughs) I mean, and I'm sure she would agree. Like you're the one who did it. Right. But it's always like those moments like that. I feel like, um, that are early on, like on the path to success, like one of those first steps is something like that. It's like somebody believing in you, somebody Mm -hmm. asking you, somebody pushing you, you know? So even though if it seems small at the time, it's important. And I know you're doing that for players now, right? Like, so it all, it all kind of comes back around and, and keeps moving forward. Yeah. And I think what's awesome too, is for me, having watched the growth of ACC softball overall, and obviously the growth of the growth, the growth of Duke softball bodes well for ACC softball, you know, seeing Florida state win the first national title a few years ago, Clemson also joining recently. I mean, when you look at the ACC softball landscape, like what comes to mind first for you? You know, I just think about the beginning of season preseason polls. It's, it's crazy to see how they choose those things and then how it all plays out because the the conference has gotten so competitive and it really is, um, you know, anybody's game between four or five programs. And that's what makes it, extra exciting is that 
Um, you know, it's not predestined. Oh, we know so-and-so is going to win it. You know, everybody's a couple games away. And, um, you know, for us, obviously, you know, we've been chasing Florida State for several years. And, you know, to see our, our name at the top of the list right now, leading the ACC, it's, it's a cool moment. But we know we've still got a, a long road ahead of us. And we got to keep taking it one game at a time. And that's the balance too, isn't it? When it's like, you want to soak up and celebrate little wins like that, like that, that's definitely a positive. You want to put those in your back pocket, but you also like, can't get caught up in them. You don't want to ignore them completely either because they do kind of help build your confidence and your camaraderie. So how do you, how do you find that balance? To be honest, I've, I've struggled with that a lot in the past, especially year one and year two. It's like, put my head down and just go to work and you get down the path and realize you never stop to look up, um, to stop and smell the roses, to enjoy, to have those cool conversations with people along the way, because you're so busy trying to get to the finish line. And so I've really been intentional about trying to slow down and even do less so that you have more time to do more with the people that matter most around you. Um, and yeah, I think those are cool win moments that you do, you know, especially the kids, they do need to pat themselves on the back for, um, how far they've come and know that, you know, they still, they still have more they want to accomplish. Yeah, that's very true. Do you talk much with other ACC coaches? Like, is that a thing that you guys kind of have conversations about? Uh, we talk, we've talked a lot more uh, due to COVID than we ever had in the past. That has definitely changed our uh, camaraderie as a group. Um, but yeah, I have a handful of, of college coaches in my pocket that I communicate with and lean on for, you know, advice and run ideas by. So appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. And part of the reason I asked too is because um, Coach Rittman at Clemson was my coach here at Stanford. Um so you and between you and him, like with those two programs and them being brand new, well, not, not brand, brand new, but in the long run, you know, recent years, I've been just more and more just like, I need to watch the ACC, you know? So I'm always curious, just kind of what sort of support coaches get from their peers too, you know, in those situations. Yeah. When you think about the future of, ACC softball where do you see it going from here you know when you were playing it was like so Pac-12 dominant SEC has certainly like risen a lot in the last 10 years where do you think the ACC fits in I hope that we continue to be in that mix you know you look at the top 25 rankings and every single one of the SEC programs is there and um, I think that at least the top half of the ACC programs are, are as good and we, we need to work to get there. I think the ACC network um, coming online and, and having more of our games visible is definitely going to help people see more um, of, of quality ACC games. And I mean, all the coaches in the conference have done a great job of sort of raising the bar um, in our conference. So you know, I think I'm, I'm excited that more games across the board are being visible to, especially to the young, young players and softball players that, you know, you get emails all the time that kids were able to watch the game. And, you know, as a player, we knew growing up, you didn't, you didn't have that luxury. So um, I think that that television is going to do a lot for our sport and, and also for our conference. 
Oh, absolutely. I remember the Pac-12 network actually started the year after I graduated. And my entire, right, of course, of course, that's how it works. My entire family was like, oh, come on. Like my grandma was like, Miha, I wish that they would have had it last year. And I was like, I know there's nothing I can do about it. But it's so true because I I do think that that's played into some of the SEC's success as well. Like having had the ESPN deal and the SEC network and all of those things, that's what more and more players were seeing on TV. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, kind of in conjunction with Duke coming on board, Clemson coming on board. There's the ACC network launch too. Like these things, they, they do matter. Um, and as a coach, like how do you engage in that? Like, are you, how are you in like interviews, for example, you know, some coaches are like, I can't wait to get this headset off. I'm like done with this conversation, you know, and others are, are really engaged. Like what's your style? I love it. I, I like, again, being able to, to share and promote our players and what they're doing and um, you know, tell their story off the field, really. They're incredible people doing great things. And um, I think, again, being role models for young players out there, we need to get those stories out so that they can be heard. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I like that. I feel like there's more and more even within the broadcast too, like in between innings, you know, like certain things that just didn't really happen before. Like they're getting more and more creative with that, which is cool because you get to know I think the coaches like you guys and even the players more as like people like fans actually get more insight into them as individuals versus, you know, just their stats or, (laughs) or just what they see on the field. Yeah. The commentators, um, you know, the last two years have done an incredible job of investing the time prior to the weekend of making calls and getting information and, you know, doing their due diligence to get, um, research prior to it. And I think that that helps improve the quality of the broadcast for sure. Yeah. And I'd imagine it makes the players feel more comfortable too. Like for me, when I'm calling Stanford games or PAC 12 games, that's some of my favorite, that's my favorite part, you know, and even like seeing like some fun facts about, about you guys, like not just again, like your record and all these things, but like, what do they like to do outside of, of softball and things like that is, is really fun. Um, knowing people's majors, like, you know, just, just again, more of like all the dimensions that, that make an each individual unique. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I normally wrap up with a little game that I play with everybody that comes on the show. Uh Oh, (laughs) no, it's fine. I know some people freak out. They're like, Oh gosh. And then other people are like, yeah, whatever. Sure. But it's easy. Super simple. It's called Safer Out. And um, basically, I'll just bring something up. And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll call it safe. Uh, if you don't like it, you don't agree with it, you'll call it out. Does that make sense? Sounds good. Okay. So first one, I think I could guess your answer. But just to confirm, pitching by committee versus having one main go-to ace in the circle. Safer out. Safe. Yeah, had a feeling. <laughs> it's been successful for you guys. So and we talked about, I think like across the board, that's just where, where it's going in softball now. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that was an easy one. That was a warm up. We'll call, we'll call it. So the second one is having a conference tournament the way that the ACC does versus like the Pac-12 who doesn't. Having that tournament at the end, safer out. Safe. Yeah, What what is... What is so awesome about it? Because I always get that feeling, but I never experienced it in the Pac-12. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what are the best parts of it? 
you don't get a chance to play every team in your conference throughout the season. So, you know, that conference tournament is just the last hurrah of getting an opportunity, potential opportunity of seeing um, teams you haven't played. And also, you know, teams get hot at the end of the season, which is what is going to propel them to um, postseason. So getting that opportunity to play there again and that that team get an at-large bid, I think is really important to gives them something to gun for. I like that because actually there there's a big part of me that kind of doesn't like that, for example, like all Americans and things like that are named before postseason. Because to your point, like the the conference tournaments postseason, like it's like, isn't that when it really, really matters, like how you are as a player, you know? So for us to kind of make those decisions before like the biggest stage, the most important time has always felt a little funky to me. But I think that's cool to see that kind of culminate in the conference tournaments. I'm excited to watch your guys's this year. <laughs> okay, so a couple of safes. So you have a couple runners on so far. <laughs> but the last one is a little bit loaded, but bat flips, safer out. Out. I had a feeling. What's your thought process on it? Uh, I think just I'm a little bit old school, you know, to me, humble and uh, act like you've been there before. You know, you did your job and uh, trot around the bases and get back in the dugout. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, too. Like you said, you are you do have some craziness, but you keep it in. You can kind of do like a mental bat flip. If that makes sense. I, I hadn't really thought of this till right now, but it's like, you can have like sort of that confidence, like internally without, I guess, doing it physically. Um, I don't know if that even made sense. But. Yeah. And value, you know, how you celebrate with your team versus I think that's a lot of, you know, making it about you at that moment. I see what you're saying. I figured, I mean, for all of us that played like before, 2015 I'd say or something like that I think the majority I've kind of seen that be the case <laughs> yeah then the controversy is like I'd probably hit somebody that bat flipped <laughs> bat flipped on me as a pitcher I'm just saying <laughs> listen hey I'd expect it like if I did it I'd be like yeah I'm getting one in the ribs you know <laughs> like just be ready and actually we've had people say that like Daniel Laurie when she came on the show she was like I think she might have said that verbatim like expect one in the ribs if not you your teammate it's happening. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess everyone can, can choose what they want to do in that situation. <laughs> well, anyway, on that note, um, thank you for joining the show. This, this was great. I mean, I'm, I, again, so fun watching your program and watching you coach. And, um, I love seeing like players who, who transition that kind of leadership too into a coaching role and, and make an impact. So it's been awesome getting to talk to you a little bit and, and thank you again. I love, thank I love this you. chat. Hopefully we'll see you postseason. I love talking to coach young. I have a lot of respect for people who create things and who truly build things. I think it's really easy to be the person in the stands or on the couch, watching on TV and critiquing everything that they see, but the people that actually go out there and actually do it, that do something to me, that deserves respect especially when they do it as well as she does. And she's clearly building something special at Duke. So that helps. But on that note, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about the little things because they matter. When it comes to the little things, I think of two sayings that we hear often. 
First one is it's about the little things. It's all about the little things. So it's the sort of sense that the little things are really, really important, which is true, right? But then the other saying we hear is don't sweat the small stuff. Well, that creates the sense that the little things are not the end all be all. Don't lose sight of the big picture, right? Which is also true. These two concepts really do contradict each other. And it, it's always kind of bothered me, right? So which is it? And full transparency, I'm, I'm still figuring out the answer to this question, or at least my answer to this question, because it may work differently for all of us. But what I've come up with so far is that the positive little things matter and the negative little things are what we should let go of. You know, when we think of the little things that matter, it's things like picking up your teammates, like putting their glove and their visor at their position on the field if they were just on offense, you know, coming off the bases that happening before or cleaning up after yourself in the batting cages. Make sure you pick up all the balls, put the tees back, whatever. Just laughing with your teammates in the locker room, you know, like having those intangible moments. These things show respect, caring, gratitude, and, and all of that breeds more good things. But when we think of the little things that we should let go of, it's things like when you hit a ball hard right at somebody and you just feel like, oh, I just can't catch a break. Right? You don't want to dwell on the fact that you got out. Focus more on the fact that you actually hit the ball hard. That means you're on the right track. It'll come. And your identity really isn't based on your performance anyway. It's based on who you are as a person. So always remember that when you get swept up in the details. I know it definitely helped me. And like anything else in life, I think it's about balance. Whether you're holding on to the positive things to lift you up and keep you sane, or you're letting go of the negative things to get perspective and keep you sane. <laughs> It matters, whichever way you're staying sane, it matters, even if it's small. So that's it, the little things matter. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen, including believe.com. Hit that subscribe button, rate the show, write a review, share it with your friends, watch the videos on YouTube as well. And then of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again. B-L-E-A-V. You can also always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera2. Thanks for joining us today and catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 